The trade deadline is fast approaching. Pistons obviously involve Jeremy Grant rumors, but could they make some other trades that are not involving Jeremy Grant and could it involve a, pl- a few players, I should say, from the Sacramento Kings? We'll talk about that today with a special guest on today's episode of the Lockdown Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Lockdown Pistons podcast. Per usual, I am your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button. It's the best way to support the podcast. We just crossed over 1,400 subscribers. I really appreciate all the support you guys have been showing over there. But if you haven't already, and if you're watching this on YouTube and you haven't hit the subscribe button, I know there's a lot of you guys have done that. Just hit that subscribe button. It's the best way to support the podcast. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, but like I said, trade deadline's coming up soon. I believe in a few weeks here now. Jeremy Grant obviously is at the center of rumors for the Detroit Pistons, and he's going to continue to be until he gets traded, which he is going to get traded. Uh, but there's also some rumors that the Pistons are interested in some other players, uh, some lower key type of trades. And a few of them come from the Sacramento Kings. So we're going to do this until the trade deadline. I'm going to talk about a few players from each team that apparently the Pistons are linked to. And today we are lucky enough to bring the Locked On Kings host, Matt George, on to talk with us about some of these Sacramento Kings players. Matt, how you doing, man? Cool. My uh, my brother in NBA suffering. How are you, boss? It's a pleasure <laughs> to be on with you. Yeah, we're, I'm doing good, man. I, you know, a few weeks ago, the Pistons had their, their 50, 40-point uh, blowout loss that had me come on here just 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 completely depressed and I, I know that you had had the same thing suffer to you recently so I, I we're both kind of in the same boat there even though we'll get into that a little bit later in the podcast about who who has suffered a little bit the worst <laughs> but <laughs> let's 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 get started with some of these players man so the Kings is, it looks like I, I'm a little bit confused so before we get into even the players with the Pistons just give an overall thought I know you know, a lot of people outside Sacramento may not know, like, what exactly are the Kings doing? There's a lot of rumors about De'Aaron Fox being moved, Ty, uh, Hall- Tyrese Halliburton being moved, Holmes, Bagley. What, what, what's going on with the Kings right now? Could you give, like, a quick explanation about what, like, what mold they're in right now? Are they selling, buying? What, what's going on? Yeah, uh, I mean, you're right to be confused because we're confused here, too, in, in Sacramento because the Kings seem to be teetering two lines. Now, we believe, and from what I've understood of Monty McNair all season long, the expectation is for the Kings to be heavy buyers here at the uh, at the, the trade deadline, which is absurd to, to consider with the Kings being three and a half, almost four games back of the 10th seed in the Western Conference. We're not <laughs> talking back of a playoff spot. The Kings are four games back. They're struggling to get the 10th seed uh, in the West, <laughs> and they're considered to be major buyers at the trade deadline. But Monty McNair has talked about playoffs being the goal all season long. He spoke in a recent radio interview in Sacramento and said that's still the goal, and they're going to try and make the moves necessary here at the trade deadline uh, to accomplish that goal which means probably a major swing for the fences move. I don't think a collection of minor moves gets the job done. But at the same time, too, 
the the deadline is February 10th, Koo, and the Kings still play, including the game they're playing right now in Atlanta. They play eight times before that, and they could easily find themselves five, six, seven games back of the 10th seed, and that's too deep of a hole to crawl out of, even if you find a way to bring Ben Simmons or DeMontis Sabonis or whatever sexy name uh, to Sacramento. So the Kings, it seems like they're buyers, but I think the smart move at this point in time would be to shift gears to a little bit of a sell mode, pay attention to this upcoming draft and try and retool and reset for hopefully better luck next season. Yeah, I, I've heard a lot of rumors with you guys and, and Ben Simmons, so maybe that, that would definitely be a big swing there. I don't know how that would happen. I, I'm Maybe De'Aaron Fox included in that. I, I don't know how it would work. I saw a recent rumor with Halliburton and a bunch of other stuff, so it's definitely going to be interesting to watch the Kings, especially with their names being brought up in Ben Simmons' trades. But you got De'Aaron Fox, you got Halliburton. Obviously, those guys are probably way out of the, the reach of the Detroit Pistons. But there are a few other guys that have been mentioned that the Pistons may be interested in, and it sounds like that you guys may be interested in moving on from. There's two guys that we're going to talk about. First up, I want to ask you about Rashawn Holmes. So the Detroit Pistons, if I understand you, you're you dealing with your own thing over there in Sacramento, but <laughs> the Pistons, if you, if you didn't know, have a major need for any kind of big guy. Just anyone taller than 6'9", basically. <laughs> They, they they don't have their starting center is basically six, eight. Uh, he's not much of an offensive player at all. He's actively hurting the offense. We've talked about this on the podcast multiple times over the last few weeks. And one of the things that the Pistons are really in the need of is either a lob threat, pick and roll guy, any kind of guy that can bring some kind of offense and gravity to the Pistons offensively in the half court. And they've been rumored in the market for multiple of these guys. They've had Miles Turner brought up. Now it's Rashawn Holmes. Uh, Rashawn Holmes, what's 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 some of his strengths, some of his weaknesses? Do you think he could fill that kind of role for the Pistons in the pick and roll, a lob threat? Could he, could he help in those kind of situations? Yeah, I absolutely love Rashawn Holmes. Rashawn is a fantastic player and even better person. Uh, he has been significantly undervalued throughout his entire career. Finally got a halfway decent payday from the Kings this offseason, and somehow still uh, he is a bargain contract. That being said, the biggest issue with Rashawn Holmes over these three seasons has been undermined a little bit, or I should say covered up a little bit by the fact that Marvin Bagley, who I'm sure we're going to talk about, has a, a, his fair share of injury issues. Rashawn has missed a good amount of games over these three seasons that he's been with Sacramento. Now he's still more than uh, a, a starting caliber center in the NBA. In my opinion, some people say if Rashawn Holmes is your starting center, you're probably not a good team. I don't think those people watch Rashawn enough. That being said, Rashawn's biggest weakness, at least offensively is what the modern NBA is all about. And that's shooting. Now I've seen Rashawn capable of hitting outside shots. In fact, if you go back to early on in his career when he was playing in Philadelphia, he shot a halfway decent amount. In Sacramento, I've seen him work on that three-point shot, but he doesn't take it very often. So he's not going to do much to help you space the floor. However, if you're looking for a pick-and-roll guy, he's an excellent fit. He and Tyrese Halliburton are, are like two peas in a pod, cut from the same cloth. They are on the same wavelength. The way they play pick-and-roll is a major difference between the way or compared to the way De'Aaron Fox and Rashawn Holmes play the pick and roll. He's super smart. Uh, he's athletic. He's hungry. He does get into foul trouble a little bit. Defensively, he's not the greatest of rim protectors because he's undersized, but he more than holds his own. Uh, if the Detroit Pistons were to get Rashawn Holmes, I think he would very much so uh, fix that starting center issue that they have there. However, it's not going to cost Detroit a massive amount to get a player like Rashawn, but he's not going to come cheap either because the Kings are very uh, happy with him. Yeah, and contribute to your point here, I'm looking at his synergy chart right now. 
Uh, he has 100 and, or 94 possessions as a pick and roll man. He ranks in the 81st percentile, scoring 1.33 points per possession. They have that ranked in a very good rating. And also, I know he has this floater that everyone always talks about. Mm-hmm. His his running uh, his runner, according to Synergy, he's in the 95th percentile there. A lot of Pistons fans will remember Andre Drummond like trying to do that little push shot all the time, except his didn't go in like that. Rashawn apparently. never misses it. Like if if Rashawn yeah. <laughs> misses the shot, we're very confused. No, he has that shot on lock, that automatic push shot anywhere around the paint. It's going in almost every time. He was close to, if not the league leader in field goal percentage last season, up there with Rudy Gobert. He's an extremely efficient scorer. So you gave us all the strengths. You gave us some of his weaknesses. Sounds like it would be a good fit for the Pistons. However, like you said, he's not going to just come free. The Kings are not just going to hand Rashawn Holmes over to the Detroit Pistons. So what kind of offer do you think from the Kings perspective could possibly make a deal happen here? So I honestly haven't looked at and I haven't gone in the trade machine between these two teams too much. So I don't know how the money works. I will tell you, and we can continue this with the conversation, the two names that the Kings are most interested in from the Pistons. And I say, I mean, realistic names like the Kings, of course, would have interest in Cade Cunningham. I think we all know that's not happening. Uh, And the Kings have their fair share of guards already. Uh, The Kings severely lack wing depth. So no surprise that their name is connected to Jeremy Grant, who you said is going to be traded, although there are some question marks and some concerns with Jeremy Grant. Plus, he's seeking a big payday. I don't know if the Kings want to offer him that. But I personally like, and I think the Sacramento Kings would uh, really be interested in Sadiq Bay. In fact, we know that the Kings tried to float uh, Harrison, Bar- or rather uh, Marvin Bagley, out in a swap for Sadiq Bay last season at the trade deadline and and the the Pistons obviously said no. So I don't know financially how it works. I don't think, I I think a combination of the two for Rashawn Holmes would be asking way too much in my opinion, even though the Kings would love to make that kind of deal happen. Draft pick situation picks for both teams aren't very good. So maybe a pick swap that potentially favors the Kings, depending upon who's going back to the Kings in the deal. Uh, It's a, it's a little more even of a trade than I think people would realize. And I think it's a trade that I think the Pistons in the short term would probably win until the Kings find a replacement center because they really don't have that yet. Fair enough. And we'll continue that conversation because there's something you've said uh, that I want to hit on, but we'll talk about that when we come back from the ad break. So like I said to you guys all the time, we got to keep the lights going. Let me tell you guys about one of our sponsors, Burnline AG. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for the 2022 season. New year and new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all their amazing offers available for the 2022 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. So again, check out their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to get started. BetOnline, where the game starts. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button. It's the best way to support the podcast. Like I told you earlier, we did pass 1,400 subscribers. We're doing a great job over there showing how how great of a fan base we have over here at the Lockdown Network. Continue to show that support. Hit that subscribe button. And by the way, go check out Lockdown Kings over there as well. Matt does a great job over there. Uh, he's extremely funny. He he does a great job of keeping the Kings interesting. Uh, mm. So <laughs> make sure you go check that out if you haven't already. But 
you, you brought up something. We're, we're going to talk about Marvin Bagley. I think everyone knows that. I'm sorry to spoil the podcast for you guys, but I think you guys saw that coming already. Uh, but you said something there that I thought was interesting. So I, I don't know if the Pistons would be interested in trading Sadiq Bay for a center at this point because of the the draft coming up, and they're probably might they might look for a center or most likely will look for a center in the draft. I don't know if they get rid of Jeremy Grant or, or Sadiq Bay, but I do think what would what would you think about a Jeremy Grant swap? for Rashawn Holmes and their salaries don't match. So they, I think the Pistons would, you'd have to fill in a salary for Rashawn Holmes. Do you think that you guys would do a trade involving Jeremy Grant for Rashawn Holmes and something else? Uh, Cause I'm, I'm assuming from what I understand, the Pistons probably would want something else with Rashawn Holmes if they're getting, if they're training Jeremy Grant. So do you think there's, do you think that it, that would be too much of a, of a win for the Pistons in your mind, if they wanted Rashawn Holmes and something else, or do you think that would be, Fair or, or fair trade, even wise. Yeah. So in that deal, um, the Kings would be sending out ten million and taking back twenty million. So there, there obviously is going to be uh, the Kings would have to find a way to to make that work. Now they could include uh, Tristan Thompson's nine point seven million and, and probably call it a wrap there. Uh, not that I know. Tristan probably doesn't excite anybody in in uh, in Detroit. That's more just a, a filler at that point to get the deal done. Here's what I'll say about that. Um, I think the Kings would be getting the better player with the higher risk in Jeremy Grant, and the Pistons would be getting the more reliable player with the very solid contract. So I think the Kings would initially push back on a trade like this because they would far rather move on from Bagley or healed, or maybe even Harrison Barnes, truth be told, uh, before they move on from Rashawn Holmes. So my hesitation is not that um, the Kings wouldn't be getting the better player, like I just said. I think my hesitation is with the fact that the Kings like Rashawn Holmes so much. They have contractual control over him for a very good value. They know he fits well with Tyrese Halliburton, who's arguably overtaken Fox as the number one guy here uh, in Sacramento. So those known commodities... I think are a little more valuable to Monty McNair and, and Sacramento than the potential of Jeremy Grant. Fair enough. So before we move on to the next guy and Marvin Bagley, let me just get your prediction right here on, on the Lockdown Pistons podcast. I don't know if you've done this over there in Lockdown Kings. If you had to take a guess right now, if, if Holmes will be on the on the roster for you guys past the trade deadline, would you say yes or no? I would say yes. Um, I would put him amongst all the players on the block for the Kings, which I kind of mentioned uh, some of them, Barnes, Bagley, Heald, Holmes. I would put him as the most likely to return just because the Kings, one, don't really have a replacement for him yet, uh, and two, the contract reasons um, and just his fit reasons like I, like I listed. Fair enough. Now we move on to, I think, probably the more interesting player from the Pistons side because they feel like, at least the Pistons fans feel like that this guy is more gettable. I think I think we both would agree that this guy is definitely uh, easier to get for the Pistons than and then a guy like obviously Holmes or any of the other players you list in Barnes, Heald, etc. Even though you might, I, I don't, I know you may not be as high on Heald as as a lot of people outside of Sacramento uh, seem to think he is. But <laughs> uh, but Marvin Bagley, obviously, he's well known because he was drafted before Luca. Uh, that's not. I don't. I don't like how players get that attached to them because it's not really their fault that they got drafted in that position. Uh, as long as they become a nice player, I, I, that's that's all I care about. I don't like that these guys get that kind of stigma attached to them. However, Marvin Bagley's had an up and down career in and of itself. Uh, I, I we've talked before in, in in our little meetings with the Lockdown Network 
uh, that you think that Marvin Backley has improved a little bit this season in certain areas. Uh, he's definitely having a better season from the outside looking in from, from our perspective this year. Uh, I know there's been a lot of drama with him outside of basketball on the court. I know we, I believe it was this past summer where he, I think it was, was it his agency put a statement out that he, he wanted to be traded or something or something along those lines. Yeah. Right. The rotation. Right before the season started when the, the Kings uh, and uh, former head coach Luke Walton decided he was not going to be part of the rotation, uh, his agent put out a statement basically dragging the decision, dragging McNair and the Kings for not trading Bagley if they'd known uh, that this was going to be their decision. And, and um, it, it was a bad look for uh, for Marvin's camp. And Marvin has had issues with his family and his camp getting a little too wordy on Twitter. Although I will say uh, that has died down significantly. I also don't think it's a coincidence that that has died down since Luke Walton's departure. Uh, so things to keep in mind. But in reality, uh, if I was a Pistons fan who has interest in Marvin, that would be the least of my concerns. Fair enough. So just to give his numbers a little bit this year before we talk about what his strengths, weaknesses are, how the Pistons could possibly get him. He's averaging nine points a game this year, 7.2 rebounds. He's played in 28 games. 15 of those games have been started, and that will be – Make sure you guys keep that in mind because we'll bring up why that's important later on. Uh, he's shooting 46% from the field, 24% from deep, uh, and 74% from the free throw line, which just looking at this uh, right now, his little basketball reference page, he shot 60 or 57% from the free throw line last year. My God. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyways, <laughs> I, I, a lot of us are interested in Marvin Bagley because he obviously has a lot of potential. He's the second. He was the second overall pick, correct? Uh, so obviously there's potential there. It, it, the, Troy Reaver has shown the willingness to go after guys who have potential, were thought to be really great players or have that kind of ceiling and just haven't figured it out yet. And there's also rumors that Troy Reaver was already pretty high in Bagley before he became uh, the GM of the Detroit Pistons. So there's a little bit of, of some rumors going on there. So first off, let's just, there's one thing, actually, before we talk about his weaknesses and strengths, actually, let's talk about his contact situation. So if you guys remember what I just said, He's played in 28 games and started 15 of those games. Now, currently, I believe his qualifying offer is sitting around $14 million after this season. However, Matt, inform Pistons fans on something that they should know about that that could become more, more accepting by the Pistons if a certain thing happens. Yeah, so uh, I'm trying to get the exact numbers here for you. So essentially, because Marvin has played so few games because of the injury issues that he has had for a number two overall pick, because obviously their number, their the amount of money that they make in their rookie contract is set based off of where they're drafted. That's not negotiated. Um, so the same thing with their qualifying offer. It's set based off of where they're drafted. But there are caveats put in there in the case that a player becomes like a Greg Oden is just so hurt that they don't, they can't possibly live up to the amount of money that they're being paid as a high draft pick because they're just, they're just not that guy. So there are little um, fail safes in place. And in, in the case of Marvin Bagley, this season, he has to play uh, over 2000 minutes or start 41 games. Now I think he's at 15 starts now on the season. Cause he started tonight against Atlanta. He's, towing around probably just past 600 minutes played if he does not reach either of those marks not both of them either one either start 41 games or play 2000 minutes then his uh qualifying offer which is just shy of 14 million dollars is cut in half to 7.3 so in the event that the uh pistons were to 
trade for Bagley, acquire Bagley, and I assume he doesn't reach either of those milestones. He becomes significantly more affordable at that qualifying offer. And of course, a qualifying offer is just a qualifying offer. He could reject that test free agency and the Pistons might be able to get him for even cheaper versus if he was issued a 13 or $14 million qualifying offer. I think Bagley and his camp would take that risk and take that money because he's probably not making anything close to that ever again in his career. Yeah, that right there, you guys need to make sure you guys remember that. That is extremely important information. We've kind of hit on that every now and then when the Bagley rumors have brought up, but you guys heard it best from right there, Locked on Kings host Matt. Uh, Matt, tell us a little bit about his strengths and his weaknesses. Obviously, we've talked a little bit on the podcast before Matt came on, uh, just very sparingly, but that his defense is something that needs to be worked on. Uh, Has he gotten better in that department? What does he bring offensively? Will he help the Pistons in that pick and roll or offensive threat around the basket? Will he have any type of gravity on the offensive side of the ball in the half court? Just what are some of those answers? Here's the deal with Marvin Bagley. He has no way, shape, or form lived up to a number two overall pick. He has been a colossal disappointment for the expectations that the Kings had for him. He was 100 million bazillion percent the wrong pick at number two in 2018, and that cannot be debated. That being said, Marvin still has the potential to be a very solid player. His potential is not nearly as high as we were all hoping for. We were thinking that he could be a 20 and 10 guy in his sleep. I think he's capable of 20 and 10 games every once in a while, but a 20 and 10 average, at least here in Sacramento, that that was never really going to be the case. However, I will say, and I've told you this before off the air, coup, I think Marvin would be a fantastic fit in, uh, in Detroit. I think he has the capability of going to the Pistons. It's a He needs a fresh start more than anything else. Marvin just needs a fresh start, and he can go to Detroit. Uh, you might try and start him at the center. Some think that's his natural position. Others think his natural position is a four, and he's been working on his outside shot to space the floor a little bit so he can play either of those positions. Defensively is where he really gets hurt because uh, he's not necessarily quick enough. He should be, but he hasn't been quick enough to guard fours on the perimeter, and he's not strong enough yet to bang with fives. Uh, around the rim so defensively he is a liability however he's gotten better from being completely unplayable last season to still being a liability but not horrible uh this season and then offensively i mean the guy can score in his sleep he's got uh, such great athleticism we talk so much about his second jump around the rim to where he can get an offensive rebound and a put back in in half a second it's that quick um he when he wants to crash the glass, he can eat up rebounds without really trying. He had back-to-back games of like 12 or 13 rebounds for the Kings recently. Unfortunately, after his best game of the season where he scored like 26 and pulled down 13 rebounds the very next game, he missed because he was hurt. And that is the epitome of Marvin Bagley's career. When he starts to make those strides, when he starts to show what he can be, why the Kings are so excited about him, he gets hurt. So if the Pistons were to acquire Marvin, I think he could be a great fit. I think he's a low risk, potentially high reward piece. The general expectation here in Sacramento, which is kind of a wounded expectation, is Bagley's going to leave Sacramento and turn into something halfway decent because that's just how it always seems to work. I think that can happen in Detroit. However, don't be shocked when he misses a five-game stretch here, a three-game stretch there, and when the Pistons really need him, he's not available because of some foot or knee or back or the the biggest thing with Marvin is you see a guy that's been perpetually injured and you think, man, he's got reoccurring injuries that just destroy him. It's really not. He's hurt both feet. He's hurt his hands. He's broken his thumb. He's hurt his back. He's hurt his leg. Like he just has been extremely unlucky with uh, injuries. He's also really not reliable. However, 
he can become reliable. He can be a good fit in Detroit. And I think if he came in and was a day one starter for Detroit, he would probably be a 17 and eight, 17 and nine guy almost immediately. Fair enough. Look, those are, those are pretty lofty numbers, especially for the Pistons who, like we mentioned, really struggle at that position right now, the big man position, any kind of offense. So that all sounds really enticing and kind of shows why so many Pistons fans are interested in him, why Troy River apparently is extremely interested in him. But when we come back, we'll talk about trade offers that possibly could get Marvin Bagley in a Pistons uniform. Is there a deal out there that could be made that will make sense for both sides? We'll talk about that when we come back from the ad break. I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button. I'd really appreciate it. It's the best way to support the podcast. We're at 1,400 subscribers. I appreciate all of that support. And again, if you guys somehow already forgot who we have with us, we have Matt George, host of the Lockdown Kings podcast. Again, make sure you guys go hit subscribe over there. Go follow him on Twitter. Great follow. Funny dude. Uh, even with everything going on with the Kings, obviously. Uh, you know, he like I said earlier, he finds a way to make it all fun and, and interesting. So make sure you guys definitely go check that out. So Marvin Bagley, he just told us all the strengths, some of the weaknesses, some of the things to be worried about, the contract situation, and all of that being considered. Matt, before we even say any packages, what do you think his value was hovering around? Because while, like you said, he has this potential to be like a like you said, show up in Detroit and possibly be like a 16, 17, and 8 guy. Something like that. However, he hasn't been that yet. You've mentioned that he has those injury problems or, or uh, these random injuries that that keep him out from playing long stretches of games. He has the defensive issues. So what, it, it kind of it's confusing. At least I'm I don't, actually maybe not confusing, but hard to gauge what exactly his his value is because on my end, it's like you see this potential of what he could be, but you don't want to trade for potential. I would say. You, you don't want to overpay because of that. But then also you don't want to like completely lowball the Kings and like spit at them basically. Like you don't want, you don't want to do either of those things. So what, what do you think his value is hovering around right now, factoring in both his potential, what he actually is right now and some of the negatives that could keep him from reaching where he could get. Yeah. Going back to the last trade deadline, the Kings wanted a value around basically a first round pick for Marvin and they were not getting that. Um, I think that's probably the best case scenario for Marvin is a first round pick type talent. I think if the Kings were able to get a player like Sadiq Bay, now this doesn't help my cause too much as a negotiator, but I will say like getting a player like Sadiq Bay for Marvin Bagley might be peak value um, for, for what the Kings could get. I think they would be thrilled for that. And they'd try that trade again. And if the Pistons were to say yes, I think the Kings would happily skip and drive uh, Marvin to the airport and wish him bon voyage and pick up Sadiq as soon as he landed. Um, Marvin's value is extremely confusing. It it goes up marginally. It goes down marginally uh, with, with each passing game, with him getting hurt, with him showing uh, the potential that he has. And like I said, uh, he's a, a low risk, high reward um, type player, but you don't necessarily want to pay for or pay a lot for that low risk, high reward, especially when you're going to have to negotiate paying the man 
uh, coming up this this upcoming offseason. It's not like you're acquiring a guy that has multiple years left on his deal. So that also drives his value down a little bit. I didn't want to backtrack something that I said earlier. I said that um, Marvin can be a, a 17 and 8, 17 and 9 guy right away in, in Detroit. He can be that on a bad team. I want to make that perfectly clear. If the Pistons are a good team, Marvin's probably not putting up those numbers yet, maybe one day. And I will say too, if he's scoring 17 points, he's also probably giving up 25. That's just the reality of, of who Marvin, uh, Marvin Bagley is. So those numbers are sexy offensively, but defensively you, you would see all the woes and, and the struggles, um, especially from time to time. But in terms of Marvin's value, the Kings are, are, are wishing upon a star uh, that they can get something of, of value for Marvin. And like I said, Sadiq Bay might be at the absolute top of that range. All right. So speaking of that, I'll just say this. The Pistons are probably absolutely not going to offer Sadiq Bay. It's, it's, it's not going to happen with that. However, what kind of trade could you see possibly happening? I've seen uh, – this is from our side of the view. Now, obviously, I've as I told you guys all the time that listen to this podcast, the way we value things from our teams is obviously not going to be the same from guys outside. So you need to talk to people outside of your own community so you can get like a fair view on things. So some of the, thing, some of the trades I've seen float around – involve an expiring contract and a second round pick or two does that sound like kind of value that you probably are going to get for Bagley or do you see something better than that coming back I think that's right up the alley with what most teams are going to offer for Marvin and last year the Kings said no to stuff like that this year they might not say no or they might really be forced to accept it just to get some kind of value because I I know they don't have too much interest in trying to negotiate to bring him back that being said, he still can be something in Sacramento. So I actually don't know, honestly, how to answer that question. I think that's probably on average with what kind of offers the Kings are going to get from Marvin. I don't know if Sacramento pulls the trigger yet. I don't know if they're that impatient or that done with Marvin. Fair enough. So the trade, the main trade I've seen is a guy who's been out of the rotation for the Pistons, who probably doesn't serve much value to the Kings outside of the fact that he's an expiring contract. And that's Josh Jackson. And I've seen Josh Jackson with the second round pick or Trey Lyles and a second round pick. That's the kind of trades I've been seeing around. It sounds like from at least Matt's point of view and from a Sacramento point of view, that sounds like something that may have been already, that sounds like that may be his value, but not something that maybe the Kings are ready to pull the trigger on yet and maybe would rather take the risk on trying to figure it out with Bagley the rest of the season and possibly maybe going forward, possibly, who knows. Um, but I, I, go ahead. It sounds like you had something to say. Yeah, I think the Kings might say yes to a, an expiring contract in two seconds. I think they would strongly consider that. I don't know if I would say yes personally because I think Marvin can be better than whatever you're going to get in that, those two second rounders. But also you have to give it, uh, you have to take into account the circumstance and as good as Marvin can be more than likely he'll never reach that potential here in Sacramento. He could reach it in Detroit or anywhere else, but in Sacramento, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. So I think the Kings would strongly consider a, whatever the expiring contract is, Josh Jackson, whoever it is. Uh, and in a couple seconds, I think they'd give it a lot of thought. Do you think the relationship between Bagley, excuse me, relationship between Bagley, like you said, his family or agent, whatever with the Kings, do you think that has deteriorated to a point where, they're just like, we just want to get this guy off the team. We just want to get this guy out of here now. We don't have any interest in bringing him back. It's kind of much. It's, it's kind of been a headache. Last year of his contract, we want to get him out of here. Do you think they're at that point yet, or do you think it's not quite that bad yet? I know I was at that point at the beginning of the season, but since 
really Walton was fired and Alvin Gentry started playing Bagley more and Bagley started responding to those minutes. Uh, it reminded me of the value that Marvin has. Cause I was ready to, to send Marvin packing for a target coupon and a box of cookies at that point. In time. <laughs> I was just, I was just ready for it to be done. Um, and I was ready for the saga to be over for the Kings to take their lumps, know that it was a complete failure. They botched the second round pick that could have changed the organization around completely. They botched it. Just let that, let that, uh, dream die, let that ship sail and, and just take your lumps and move on. Um, but you're still, the thing with the Kings is, and this might be a similar thing in Detroit, like the, the Kings don't attract talent. They don't. So when you have a talent with the potential of Marvin Bagley, you can't just let that talent walk for nothing. And unfortunately, Monty McNair failed with that, allowing Bogdan Bogdanovich to go to the Atlanta Hawks for nothing. That is something that you just cannot do in Sacramento. So I hope McNair has learned that lesson. I think the Kings are going to try to milk every bit of value they can out of Marvin Bagley rather than just get rid of him for peanuts. Fair enough. And like we ended the last segment with uh Rashawn Holmes I ask you the same question here if you had to bet on whether Marvin Bagley will be a Sacramento King after the trade deadline would you say he is or he's gone I'd say he's gone I think right. I think I think the Kings find a way to move him fair enough and I think a lot of us in Detroit want to see Marvin Bagley in the Pistons uniform uh it sounds like it would be a, a good fit and you would also have the chance to be the kind of player that he possibly could be in the future. The Pistons desperately need a guy who has any kind of offensive gravity, any kind of offensive talent with Kay Cunningham and Killian Hayes. Both of those guys desperately need themselves a pick and roll guy, a guy who can score the ball offensively in the pick and roll, any kind of uh, presence like that. They desperately are needing that right now. Isaiah Stewart just isn't the answer. He's better served off the bench. Uh, and even if Marvin Bagley came off the bench because they wanted to avoid the, the $14 million qualifying offer playing him minutes, with Killian Hayes, playing a minutes with Kay Cunningham, I feel like would help them take some of the pressure off them and open up driving lanes, open up so much more on the basketball court that simply having Isaiah Stewart on the floor just hasn't done, which we've talked about a lot on the podcast. But before we end it, I wanted to have a little fun with Matt here. Matt, go ahead. We'll, we'll spend like maybe five minutes doing this. Give your argument for why the Kings have, you Kings fans have suffered worse than the Detroit Pistons have over the past however many years you want to go. <laughs> All right. I'll fist, I'll fist fight you for the King of the toilet bowl here. Um, <laughs> look, the, the best thing that I can say, the best argument that I have is that the, the Detroit Pistons have at least had a number one overall pick. And as much as Kate Cunningham hasn't been the most impressive this year and not living up to the biggest of expectations, of course, he's been hurt as well. There's still hope tied to him where the Kings, the best pick that they had number two overall, they completely botched their number five pick. We all thought was going to be the leader and the star in Sacramento who still has the potential to be in De'Aaron Fox is showing that he's uh, maybe not as much of that leader and stars. The Kings were hoping uh, that he would be. Plus this team is just a gigantic cluster. You know what? Basically on a nightly basis, they're a team with a lot of talent that continues to just royally suck versus you look at a Detroit Pistons team and you go, yeah, I expect that roster to be bad. The, the, the Pistons, I would say, live up to expectations. The Sacramento Kings can't even set expectations because they're so inconsistent. <laughs> they're so bad and they're so annoying uh, that they have me for the first time in the 21 years that I've watched Kings basketball dreading every single time they take the floor, which has never happened to me before. So 
Look, I I feel for Detroit Pistons fans too. Hang on to the fact that you had a number one overall pick. We saw that legendary reaction that you had when the Pistons won the lottery. <laughs> that moment of elation, I remember the Kings getting when they moved up to number two overall, and then it turned into a gigantic disaster that hurts me to this day. So you know what? If the Pistons have had it worse, prove it to me. I don't care because the Kings suck. My life sucks. My podcast is doing <laughs> great, but I want to cry. Thank you, Deku. So... <laughs> I brought a child into this world and I might raise him a Kings fan with like, which I think is child abuse. <laughs> it's probably child abuse. Like I have him watch Kings games with me. And I think the, uh, the, like, what is it? Controlled parenthood. What the hell? The parental control, whatever kids, cops. I don't know what they're called. They're going to come and take my kid away. Cause I'm raising him a Kings fan. So, so I would keep it a stack with you guys. I was never planning to argue with Matt. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> because, I win. Because he would 100% win this. But the only, reason, <laughs> the only reason why I had to have this happen on the podcast is because I've, I literally had a Sacramento Kings fan comment on one of my YouTube videos a few weeks ago <laughs> and hint that this kind of thing goes on <laughs> on your podcast. And we've all joked around about it on the lockdown meetings that – Oh, man. <laughs> that, Bro, I started I started my podcast yesterday wearing a Jester's hat because the Kings lost by 53 points to the Boston Celtics. That's how my day goes. I have a I have a I have a Kings jersey in my closet that I'm thinking about burning that says optimism on the back. <laughs> I wrote a rap song about how Marvin Bagley was going to be better than Luka Doncic. I have never, ever, ever stooped so low. I have tears in my eyes. <laughs> I love Detroit fans though, man. Like I remember growing up as a kid, the Kings and bad boy Pistons had some phenomenal battles growing up. And I hated that team. I hated Rasheed Wallace. I hated Ben Simmons. You know, I hated the most was Torreon Prince because Torreon Prince would absolutely demolish the Kings for no reason. Same with Rip Hamilton, Chaucey Billups as well. That entire team ate the Kings for breakfast sometimes, even when the Kings were really, (laughs) really good. But we had some good battles between those two teams. It's a shame that we didn't get more classics between those two. Yeah, it's a shame that neither of us have been able to recover since those days left. So hopefully it's coming for both of our franchises. And, you know, I, I, you know, last thing I'll say, and then we can wrap up the podcast is, you know, from the outside looking in the Kings, like you said, shouldn't be as bad as they are. Mm -hmm. They got Halliburton who a lot of Pistons fans are sad. They didn't take him over Killian Hayes, even though Mm -hmm. everyone who listens to this podcast knows I still love Killian Hayes, Mm -hmm. but everyone, everyone's disappointed. They didn't take Halliburton instead of Killian Hayes. They got De'Aaron Fox who is supposed to be the up, up and coming superstar and fra- face the franchise with the Kings. They got Rashawn Holmes. They got Harrison Barnes, who we think like outside segment sounds like a good player. He uh, is. So it's like, they shouldn't be as bad as they are. And maybe, maybe just maybe Matt, they turn it around this season. Maybe they go out and get Ben Simmons and it turns into like a, a, a serious push. And all of a sudden we're looking at them making the playoffs. Maybe something like that can happen. You know, the Kings don't want Sadiq Bey. The Kings don't want Killian Hayes. The Kings don't even want Cade Cunningham or Jeremy Grant because whatever player they acquire will come into Sacramento, step on on the hardwood for the first time and forget how to play basketball because that's all that ever (laughs) happens with this damn Kings team. And meanwhile, Marvin Bagley will leave and go to Detroit and will become a 30 and 16 guy for no freaking reason. And we'll have to live with that suffering while Luka Doncic drops 70 on our head. I'm going to bed, Koo. Leave me alone. Let me go. Can I go? 
We'll, we'll wrap up the podcast there. We'll, we'll leave it alone. <laughs> Thank you, Matt, for coming on, man. Let everybody know where they can find you, your podcast, and some of your suffering. <laughs> uh, if you want to tune into the Locked On Kings podcast, bring alcohol and voodoo dolls because we're <laughs> we're looking for any possible route to save ourselves, dude. It's tough, but we try and have as much fun as possible uh, following the biggest disaster in all of professional sports. <laughs> and his Thank name you, is Buddy Hill. Going on, man. <laughs> I'm seriously crying. <laughs> Thank you, Matt, for coming on, man. You can follow him on Twitter at Matt George SAC. Thank you for coming on again, man. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. I'm literally, I'm not joking. If you guys watch it on YouTube, I'm literally in tears. Uh, appreciate you guys making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. Head to the YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button. It's the best way to support the podcast. Make sure you guys make Lockdown Bets your second listen of every single day. Your one-stop shop for all your betting needs. Hosted by your boy Q at Inside Analysis from Lee Sterling. Make sure you make that your second listen on every single day. Until the ne- <laughs> I hated it. Until the next podcast. I'll catch you guys later. Go check out Matt George on Twitter and his podcast, Lockdown Kings. And until next time, I'll see you guys later. Maybe the Pistons will trade for one of these Kings players and it'll work out for both teams. I'll see you guys later.